بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله تعالى نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار السلام عليكم ورحمة الله in our last class of the tafsir of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through the seer of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we were looking at the road to Medina, the road to the hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to Medina, the hijrah. And we said on that way to hijrah, the path of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, from Mecca to Medina, there was a number of incidences which we looked at. The first of those incidences was the hadith of Ummu Ma'bad, the hadith of Ummu Ma'bad. And this hadith of Ummu Ma'bad, or this incident, we said it was important because it was the most detailed description of the Prophet that we have. The last incident we looked at was the incident of Suraqah ibn Malik ibn Ju'shum. And Suraqah ibn Malik was one of the best trackers or the bounty hunters known in that peninsula, known in that area. And he was sent, or he wanted to track down the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, hoping to get the reward of a hundred camels, which the Quraysh had promised, the Mushrikeen of Quraysh had promised, to whoever captures the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, or Abu Bakr, Hayyan, or Mayyitan, dead or alive. So Suraqah ibn Malik went to take, wanted to get this bounty. So it's upon the track of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So that's the last incident we looked at, the incident of Suraqah ibn Malik. And we said Suraqah ibn Malik changed from being the predator to feeling like the what? The prey. Because of what he saw from the affairs of the Prophet Because Suraqah ibn Malik, despite the speed and the strength of his horse, the strength and the speed of Suraqah, the weapons of Suraqah, the armor which Suraqah he took with him, he realized when he drew close to the Prophet and it was a very close proximity to the Prophet ﷺ to harm the Prophet ﷺ. And how close was Suraqa? It was so close, you could hear the recitation of the Prophet ﷺ. At that point, he realized that the Prophet ﷺ was aided by an army or a force that's not a force or army of this dunya. When his horse is sank into the ground, the foot of his horse is sank into the ground. At that point, Suraqa, he knew at that moment that the Prophet is going to become victorious. And then he sought from the Prophet a man, a surety of protection and security. For that instant moment, no, for the future. It was not until later on, after the conquest of Mecca, the conquest of Ta'if and Hunayn, that Suraqa, he brought out that thing that the Prophet the Aman, guarantee of safety or security, which is written a piece of leather, a piece of bone, and he gave it to the Prophet And we mentioned in the incident of Suraqa, that the Prophet mentioned something to him, min ilmil ghaib, from the knowledge of the unseen. And what is that thing that he mentioned to him from the knowledge of the unseen? Barakallah 
from the knowledge of the unseen is the knowledge of the future. That the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said to Suraqa, how would it be on that day? When you wear the bracelet of who? Kisra. This is something that will happen in the future. And this is knowledge of the unseen. So does the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam have knowledge of the unseen? There's an ayah in the Quran where Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala said the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, قُلْ Say to them, I do not possess harm, nor do I possess any benefit. And he said about himself Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allah Ta'ala ordered him to say that وَلَوْ كُنْتُ أَعْلَمُ الْغَيْبِ If I was to know the unseen, لَاسْتَكْثَرْتُ مِنَ الْخَيْرِ وَمَا مَسَّنِيَ السُّوءِ I will only increase in goodness for myself and no evil will touch me. So the Prophet does not know the unseen. So how is he able to tell Suraqa this? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah ta'ala is the only knower of the unseen. And he does not reveal the unseen to anyone. Ahada. And this is nakira here. Yadul ala maadha, ala al-umum. Means generally, nobody is not unseen. Not the anbiya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not the salihin, not the shuhada. Nobody. Illa man irtada. Except for he or whom Allah ta'ala is pleased with to know the unseen. Certain aspects of the unseen. So this issue of suraqa was revealed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in reality, suraqa, in the end, he wore the what? The bracelet and even the taj, the crown of kisra. And Kisra is who? It's a title for the emperors of, of Persia. So this is the incident of Suraqa. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, after the incident of Suraqa, he continued. But Suraqa, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala had changed his heart at that moment. That whatever he found upon the path hunting the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it would divert them. Say, no, don't go this way. I've already tried this path. I've already tried that path. Because everybody was seeking this bounty of a hundred camels from Quraysh. So Suraqa, when he meets anybody, he sends them on a diversion. Don't go this way. I've gone this way. They're not that way. And Suraqa, the incident that happened, he kept it to himself until he made sure the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had reached Medina. So on the part of Medina, the Sahaba or the Muslims in Medina, they'd heard about Khuruj or the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in Medina wa Qudumihi or Afwa min Makkah wa Qudumihi ila al-Medina. That the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had exited Mecca and is approaching Medina. The Sahaba Radiallahu Anhum and the Muslims at that time that were in Medina, they said, Lamma Samirna bi Kharuja Rasulillah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam min Mecca wa Qudumihi ila al-Medina. When we heard that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had left Mecca and is approaching or coming towards Medina, they said, Kunna nakhruj idha sallayna subh. Any time we pray subh, as soon as we heard that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was coming, every time we prayed a subh, which is Salatul Fajr, we'll leave immediately ila dhahir harratina. We'll go outside of our areas, outside of our vicinity. Why would they go into these places? Nantadhiru Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Every day, they'll pray Fajr and go out of the areas waiting for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It says, that by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so by Allah azza wa jal, we will stay there until we're overcome by the heat of the sun if there's no shade. And at that moment, we'll enter our houses. And he said, until that day that the Prophet began to approach Medina. He said, on that day, 
We were sitting there as we usually sit there, waiting for the Prophet to approach. And these days, he said, were days which were extremely hot. So he said, on that particular day, we entered our houses because there was no more shade. He said, until the first person to see the Prophet was who? A man from amongst the Jews was the first to see the Prophet. And this man from the Jews, when he saw the Prophet, he screamed with the highest level, at the top of his voice, which is one of the names of the Ansar, because the grandfather from the grandfather was Qayla. So he said, Oh, children, Qayla, your Jad, that man or that person or that fortune you've been waiting for has come now so he said the sahabi an, we all rushed out he said and how did they rush out he said they rushed out with all their weapons to meet the prophet because the promise they made to the prophet to show al-wafa was to protect, to fight. They didn't just rush out to meet the Prophet sallallahu alaihi silah. They grabbed their weapons to go meet the Prophet sallallahu alaihi So he said, when they grabbed their weapons to go meet the Prophet sallallahu because they could see him from far, but couldn't see him clearly. The two men. The only thing they could see mubayyadin that they were wearing white. That wearing white, so they saw them from afar. So they said, when they approached the Prophet وسلم, and Abu Bakr, they said, Wa huwa fi dhilli nakhla, wa ma'ahu Abu Bakr radiallahu an, mithlu sinnihi, and with him was Abu Bakr, was around the same age as him. He said, and we surrounded them, and he said, Lam yakun ra'a Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qabla thalika. None of us before that moment had ever seen the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sat down quietly and was Abu Bakr Siddiq and they were under the nakhla to get shade, under the date tree. He said, when they saw the Prophet Abu Bakr, they did not know which one was the Prophet He said, some of them Abu Bakr, some of them were greeting Abu Bakr as though he was the Prophet He said, when the heat became too intense and the date tree could no longer give them shade, he said, In dalika, at that moment, Fakama Abu Bakr biridaihi. At that moment, Abu Bakr he took off his upper garment and he covered the Prophet. Sallallahu we knew this is the Prophet. Sallallahu so Abu Bakr, subhanAllah, at any point we're just looking after the Prophet. Sallallahu he said that that moment we knew this was the Prophet. Sallallahu and the part or the place where the Prophet sallallahu first uh, arrived that or approach was where? Quba. So this was in Quba. And when he arrived in Quba, that was Rabi'ul uh, Awwal. The first Rabi'ul Awwal, Yom al Ithnain, on a Monday. They said the Prophet arrived in Rabi'ul Awwal, the first Rabi'ul Awwal, on a Monday. And it was said that the Prophet, the place he stayed at was the house of Kulthum bin Hidmi. And some of the ulama of seerah, or the biography of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, they disputed this. They said in the state in the house of Sa'ad ibn Khaythama. And who is Sa'ad ibn Khaythama? Barakallahu feek. From the great personality and the aristocrats of Medina. There was As'ad ibn Zurara and Sa'ad ibn Khaythama. These were the two 
from the big aristocrats of Medina that the initial plan was to oppose the da'wah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But they became Muslim before the Hijrah. So some stayed, said he stayed in this house, because this is where the people gather to hear from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But the ulama of Sirah said there's no contradiction. He stayed in the house of Kulthum. But later on in the day, he'll go to the house of Wu Sa'd ibn Khaytama, and the people come to hear from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And they said the reason he stayed in the house of Kulthum, that Kulthum ibn Hadmi was what? Because you mentioned the houses in which the Muhajirin they stayed in. The different families. One family stayed there, another family stayed there. But there was a particular house, it was known as Baytu Uzzab, the house of the who? The bachelors. Kulthum was an old man and he was a bachelor. So they said the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he stayed in this house. The house of the bachelors. But in the daytime or later in the day, we'll go to the house of Sa'ad ibn Khaythama. So the Prophet stayed in Quba. And he stayed there Yomul Ithnain, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Some say up to Friday. Some of the ulama, they say no, he stayed more than that. But what is definite is that the Prophet he prayed Jumu'ah with Banu Amr, which is the tribe of who? Of that area, Banu Amr, on a Friday in a masjid which is in the belly or the middle of the valley, in Quba. So the first, and this was on a Jumu'ah, the first Jumu'ah that was prayed in Medina was where? In Quba. At the valley of Banu Amr. In the valley of Banu Amr. This was the first Jumu'ah in Medina. He said the Prophet وسلم, went and continued towards his journey to Al-Medina, towards Medina. When the people of Medina also heard that the Prophet ﷺ began to approach Medina, they themselves, the children, were outside or outskirts of Medina. And Anas ibn Malik he said the children just hearing the Prophet ﷺ were coming, they were just screaming, run all around the place, Ja'a Muhammad, Ja'a Muhammad, Ja'a Muhammad. Anas ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala an, he said the adults ordered us to go back to the city and inform the adults in the city that the Prophet sallallahu was approaching. So when Anas radiallahu ta'ala an, he went back to Medina with the other children from the outskirts to the middle of Medina to inform that they said, فَكَانَ يَوْمُ فَرَحٌ وَإِبْتِهَاجٌ That that day was a day of great joy and a day of happiness. He said, لَمْ تَرَ الْمَدِينَ يَوْمًا Mithla. Medina has never witnessed a day like this, ever. And that's what Anas radiallahu ta'ala an, concerning this day, Anas said, مَا رَأَيْتُ يَوْمًا قَتْ أَحْسَنُ وَأَضْوَأُ مِنْ يَوْمٍ دَخَلَ عَلَيْنَ فِيهِ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ Anas radiallahu an, he said, I have never seen a day that was better or more full of light and brighter than the day that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم entered Medina. And then Anas radiallahu an, the same narrator of the hadith, he said, I've never seen a day. And Anas, he had many days. He said, I've never seen a day. And Anas had many days. In fact, from the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, Anas had the most days. Why? He was the last of the Sahaba to die, radiallahu ta'ala an. And this was due to the dua of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for who? For Anas. When he said, Allahumma, barik lahu fi rizqihi, wa Allahumma rizquhu. Rizqan wa waladan wa barik lahu. Allah give him, provide for him risk, provisions, and uh, provide for him children and bless him in those two things. 
So the thing is, it's not about having more children, it's about the barakah. And also, it's not about having much wealth, it's what Allah Ta'ala blesses. Anas radiallahu an, when he passed, was one of the richest of the Sahaba radiallahu anhu. Anas radiallahu an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him long life. He lived to the age of 103. Anas radiallahu an, he had over 80 children. They said he had 80 boys and two girls, radiallahu ta'ala an. So nowadays, when the Muslim and these 2.5 men had children, and you got six or five or ten children, people are, subhanAllah, that brother's got a lot of children. A lot of children. I remember, subhanAllah, this was many years ago, when at that time I only had five children. And I went to a brother's house, and the son, he couldn't remember my name. And he was trying to tell his mother was at the door. It was me and my family and the children. So he was trying to remember, he couldn't remember my name. So he said to his mother in Swahili, that there has come that man. That man, and that man that has loads of children. So what would he have said? <laughs> That's how people knew me, the man with loads of children. And that was five children then. So what would they said about Anas radiallahu anh? 80 plus children. So Anas radiallahu anh, due to the dua of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and whatever wants that which Allah ta'ala blessed Anas with, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam could not make this dua for you now. Whoever wants this, Anas radiallahu an, he narrated a hadith. He said, Man sarrahu an yubsata lahu fi rizqihi wa an yunsa'a atharahu fal yasil rahimah. Whoever wishes and loves that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increases for him his provision and prolongs for him his life, what should he do? Fal yasil rahimahu. He should keep the ties of kinship. Whichever way, we can. We here, as expats, we're not here with our family, but there's ways to keep the ties of kinship. You could call, WhatsApp, so many ways. Even if you were to set an appointed time, one day of the week, it should never pass, even a day, really and truly. But at least once a week, you call your mother and father and say to them, Mom, Dad, I appreciate everything you do for me. I love you. And not only your mother and father, Rahim, your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, even if they don't want to contact you. Because the hadith says, the one that keeps the tie of kinship is not the one that people keep ties with, he keeps ties with them, no. It's the one that people cut him off and he still keeps the ties. So Anas radiallahu anh, he said there was never a better day than this. And Anas went on to say, وَمَا رَأَيْتُ يَوْمًا قَطْ I have never seen a day in all of my life. أَقْبَحُ وَأَظْلَمُ مِنْ يَوْمٍ مَا تَفِيهِ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ I've never seen a more horrible, a sadder day, and a more darker day than the day that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam passed away. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So Anas radiallahu an, he said, كَانَ ذَلِكَ يَوْمُ الْفَرَحُ وَإِبْتِهَاجِ Lights of which Medina had never seen. لَبِسَ النَّاسِ أَحْسَنْ مَلَابِسَهُمْ كَأَنَّهُمْ فِي يَوْمٍ عِيدِ Subhanallah. He said on that day, to receive the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the people wore the best of their clothing. He said, you think that day was Eid. That they wore the best of their clothing to meet the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And in reality, it is Eid. Because after the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he entered there. نَوَّرَ الْمَدِينَةِ نَوَّرَتِ الْمَدِينَةِ بِالْإِسْلَامِ Medina became enlightened with Islam. And that's why some people, they call it Medina, what? مُنَوَّرَ But it's not from the names of Medina. It's Medinatu al-Nabawiyya or al-Tayyiba. Because anywhere, that Islam has entered is Munawwara. So it's not specific to Medina. 
So Pakistan, Munawara. Bangladesh, Munawara. Nigeria, Munawara. Medina, Munawara. But people say Medina too, Munawara. You could say Nabi, Nabi, Medina and Nabawiya, Al Tayyiba, Al Medina, Sharifa, but not Munawara. So it was a day that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made a day of Eid for them because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought the light of Islam into Al Medina. And they received the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with such excitement that he went on to say that the people of Medina kharaju ahlul Medina yuhalliluna fi farahin wa ibtihaj that the people of Medina they came out yuhallilun saying la ilaha illallah la ilaha illallah fi farahin in great happiness wa yaqulun and everybody was saying, Ya Rasulullah, Ya Muhammad, Ya Rasulullah. And when they came to meet the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, why were they saying Ya Rasulullah? Because what does Ya stand for? Oh, to call. That's why now that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that is no longer with us. We cannot say Ya Rasulullah to call the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I could say Ya Abba Salman because he's in close proximity to me. But if he's not with me, I can't say Ya Abba Salman, istighathan, seeking deliverance. So the people of Medina, they were saying Ya Rasulullah, Ya Rasulullah. Because the people of Medina, they could see the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wherever the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was. And how was that? Imam Ahmed Rahimallahu Ta'ala narrated it is Musnad. In the Madakhara Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Al Medina Sa'id al Rijal wal Nisa Fokal Buyut Watafarraqal Ghilman Wal Khadam Fitariq Yunadun. He said when the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam entered Medina subhanallah that the men and the women climbed on top of their houses. Subhanallah. So they could get a glimpse of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The men on the women, they climbed on top of their houses. And the children were scattered and the servants were usually busy with things. They were scattered all over the road. And all of them were shouting, Ya Muhammad, Ya Rasulullah, Oh Muhammad, Oh Rasulullah. And everybody wanted to give whatever they could give to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And one of the people that was there was the mother of Anas. And what is the name of the mother of Anas? Ummu Barakallahu Feek, Ummu Sulaim. Everybody has something they wanted to give to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Umm Salim had nothing. The only thing she had was who? Anas radiallahu anhu. At that time, Anas was at the tender age of 10 years. She said, Ya Rasulullah, I have nothing to give you. The only thing I have is this child, that I want him to serve you. Subhanallah. Anas radiallahu anhu, the Prophet Sallallahu when he was fasting, would be the one to prepare the sahur. At the age of 10, bring the water for his wudu. Bring the water when he releases himself at the age of 10. And a servant that serves us, even our own children, okay, let's say servants, our maids, they see from us another side of us. But Anas was a, the Prophet's servant. He said, I've never seen anybody better in manners. He never said to me one day, why did you do this? Why didn't you do this? And he was his servant. He said, and one day the Prophet said, on an errand, he said, I forgot. And I saw some children I was playing. And I saw the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam from afar. And he said, Anas, if you complete what I told you to do. I remember, subhanAllah, when we were children, your father sent you on an errand and you disappear, subhanAllah. I remember one day I was in Nigeria and they sent us to fetch water. Because there is no water, you have to fetch the water. So we're fetching water. And when you fetch water, there's lots of people playing football, playing football. And all we could see from afar was Rajulun, not a white though. 
is wearing the big Nigerian, big Nigerian clothing. And in this part of it, there's a big pocket. He put his hand inside, he took something out, and he saw what that is, kiboko. It's a whip. It came out like this. But subhanAllah, Anas radiallahu anh said, I've never seen anybody better than the Prophet So she gave Anas, her son, to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam at the age of 10, Ummu Sulaim, from the people that came to meet the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And subhanAllah, Anas radiallahu anh became min al-mukathireen riwayah one of the people that narrated the most hadith from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So the people of Medina rushed to meet the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, not only to offer things to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, but rather for the Prophet sallallahu to stay with them, to stay in their area. So it was said the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, everybody was inviting him to say, and they were saying, Ya Rasulullah, aqim indana, O Messenger of Allah, stay with us. The first of the tribes to approach the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, it was said for Atahu Itban ibn Malik wa Abbas ibn Ubada ibn Nadla fi rijal min Bani Salim ibn Auf. The tribe of Bani Salim ibn Auf, they approached the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, faqalu ya Rasulullah. So they said, O Messenger of Allah, aqim indana, stay with us fi al-adadi wal-udda wal-man'a. You stay with us because we have numbers, we have weapons and preparation and ability to protect you. The Prophet sallallahu said, Stay out of his path. Mean the path of what? The camel. But because the camel has been ordered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wherever it settles, that's where I'm going to stay. So they moved out of the way and the camel moved on. Then another tribe from the tribes of Medina came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the second tribe was Banu Bayada. And they said the same thing to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he said the same thing to them. And the camel continued. And a number of tribes approach the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam until eventually the last tribe hatta idha atat dar banu Malik ibn Najjar until it came across the compound of banu Malik ibn Najjar. He said barakat ala masjidihi, barakat. And we covered this verb before, barakat, which is what? It kneeled down. So the kneeling of the camel is called what? Mabruk. The position, it is mabruk. That's why when you're congratulating somebody, you don't say what? Mabruk. You say Mubarak. The kneeling position, when a camel's kneeling, it is what? Mabruk. When you're blessed, you say what? Mubarak. For Barakat. The camel in need kneeled down there. It means at that time, that particular area was not taken care of. It didn't bear any fruits, no date trees, nothing. Not taken care of. And that part, he said, It belonged to two orphans from Beni Najjar. Uh-huh. And then Malik, Malik ibn Najjar. Malik ibn Najjar, he adopted those two orphans before adoption was made impermissible. And he stayed with him. And they were looked after by Afwan. They were, they were adopted by Afwan Mu'adh ibn Afra. Mu'adh ibn Afra, he adopted them. So when the camel kneeled down there, he got up again. And he moved a little bit further. And then he stopped completely. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he got off at that point. And that now has become the what? The message and the abode of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked, who does it belong to? So they told him that this belongs to two orphans from Bani Najjar, Sahal and Suhail. That was the name of the two orphans, Sahal and Suhail. And they've been looked after by Mu'adh ibn Afra. 
So Mu'adh ibn Afra went to the Prophet and he said it belongs to these two orphans. So the Prophet said, how much is it? He said, I will pay the price for it. The Prophet said, no, how much is it? Then he went to the two orphans and asked them, how much do you want for this? The two orphans went to the Prophet they said, no, our reward is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu he still refused. And he asked Abu Bakr to pay for the land. And he bought that land. That even a du'at, is that mean I want to back off from Abu Salman or from Abu Hanifa because I'm Abu Hanifa taking for it. No, the Prophet refused to do this. And such it was that the Prophet sallallahu he said to the Medina. So next week, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala, we're going to look at the lessons we learn from this whole episode of Hijrah. The hadith of Ma'bad, Suraqa. We look at the lessons of Hijrah. And then we continue with the first ayat, which was sent down where? In Medina. Subhanakallah, bihamdika, shadu an la ilaha, anta astaghfirullah, atubu ilayka. Any questions, inshallah?